Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Brothers Fantasy Football Podcast, a podcast by two brothers giving you their takes, opinions, and insight on this wonderful game of football that's going on from a fantasy perspective, of course. I am the younger brother. My name is Derek. And as always, I am with the big bro. His name is Daryl. Daryl, what's the deal, man? How you doing out there in H-Town? I'm uh I'm surviving, man. You know, I got a little bit of the shakes, uh, withdrawal. About to have to go through the first weekend in months with no football on. Um, so I'm gonna see what outside on a Sunday looks like for the first time in a while this uh this weekend. So <laughs> oh, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, man, I'm 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 doing just fine over here. Yeah, I'm good as well. I'm based in Dallas, if people didn't know. So we were dealing with a little snow or weather, cold weather in here. But the sun is up. Temps are in the 40s and 50s now. That's melting away. So I'm ready to get out this weekend and not necessarily partying or nothing, but just get out the house and do some different things. So wonderful time we have here. Yeah, man, I saw some videos coming out of there like, People trying to get just from the front door to their cars. It looked like the damn ice capades. <laughs> like it was, <laughs> was like, wow, man. But yeah, the glad, great, glad y'all, glad y'all all right. One of the greatest inventions has been the video camera doorbell because it's just catching people just walking out the house <laughs> and just sloop. <laughs> but then the part of them actually posting it on Al Gore's internet, it's just hilarious. And it gives wonderful footage to just see. Um, but yeah, here here we are, man. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> uh, well, today's show, we are going to dive into some more Remember the Time. Going to be, well, shout out to Michael Jackson on that song. But we're going to be looking at running backs here. We're looking at running backs 1 through 12. And then we also will look at the conference championship games that we had from the betting perspective or any other notes we saw that piqued our interest. And that will be today's show. The next show will cover 13 through 24 and then any extra running backs after that. So let's go ahead and get started. We're going to dive into the running backs. And I guess before we fully dive in there, uh, Daryl, go ahead and set the scene for us for running backs, what you're seeing or expecting for next year, potentially. Right. So in our previous, you know, kind of year in review, remember the time episodes, we also tried to put a little bit of a spinning it forward, looking at outlooks towards next year, just in brief, um, you know, taking that angle towards stuff that we were doing, but that's going to be especially hard for the running backs this year, because there are more than a handful of fantasy relevant running backs that are going to be free agents. So I'm going to read off just a quick a quick little list here. Um, so Saquon, Kareem Hunt, Rashad Penny, Jamal Williams, Josh Jacobs, Raheem Mostert, Dante Foreman, Samaj P. Ryan, Miles Sanders, Jarek McKinnon, <gasps> Jeff Wilson, David Montgomery, Devin Singletary, Damian Harris, Alexander Madison, Tony Pollard, and James Robinson. Like these are all extremely fantasy relevant running backs that are yep. going to be free agents so you know you have their outlooks on their own plus you know whatever backfield they're landing in you know what it's going to do to guys who are already 
quote unquote established or basically, you know, already have teams. So when when we're going through these, if if you know you hear us say more than a handful of times things are up in the air, the outlook is murky and blah, blah, blah. A lot of that is is off the back of all these plates that are going to be spinning and looking for homes for these running backs. And that's not even taking into account that um, there are supposed to be a decent number of rookie running backs that are coming in in the draft this year. So um, mm-hmm. basically the running back landscape is a bit of a mess right now. So that's just one thing to kind of keep in mind. And it'll be fun to track this stuff during the offseason, you know? Yeah, and that's that's actually a good thing that you're saying there, good things you're saying there to set the scene for our analysis and our takes on these running backs because – you know, I wasn't even thinking about that until you just mentioned it. Like, you know, you got 17 to 20 of these relevant running backs that a good amount of them are probably going to be changing teams. And so now it's going to murky up or potentially open up some opportunities for some other guys. So, yeah, just good good notes on your end provided there. Let's go ahead and dive into some fun here. We'll go with number one running back on the season. We got Austin Eckler. Only 881 rushing yards, but he had 13 rushing touchdowns. And you know the goodness with Austin Eckler is that receiving. He had 103 receptions on 123 targets. My goodness. 686 yards and five touchdowns in the air. Your RB1, Austin Eckler. Daryl, thoughts on him? I feel like Eckler should get his running back pay and then he should get like at least half of the franchise tag that that um that a wide receiver would get for having to deal with all them damn targets. But um yeah, man, Eckler. He was the pole to pole RB one this year. Um he was the season long points leader. He was the leader after the first half of the season had been played. He was the leader over the second half of the season in points. So like this man established his dominance like throughout this whole this this whole year and his ADP his ADP pretty much reflected that you know um, he was going top four top five um, at the, especially PPR wise so mm-hmm. you know this was this was nothing out of uh, out of bounds for him but you know he came through in a big way and really carried teams you know down the stretch in the playoffs and just like all all year long um, you you mentioned the 123 targets. And 103 receptions. The next closest in receptions was CMC with 82. So this man, <laughs> this man came through with 21 more receptions than the next closest running back. Um, I don't know that that's necessarily a good thing for the overall, you know, as far as how it speaks for that offense as as a whole. But that's not really what we care about. We want them them sweet sweet fantasy points. And yep. Austin Eckler delivered them to us, man. Um, just just a dominant a dominant performance from from him uh throughout the whole year absolutely fully agree with everything you said there there really isn't too much to add to your analysis there outside of some in more in-depth things if you will like he had four rb1 performances like the rb1 performances and then he had 10 count them 10 of them top five performances um as a running back on the week. So yeah, man, you, you get that from, from your running back who you drafted in the first round. He probably went anywhere from as early as probably 
our, I mean, pick one all the way to maybe pick six. And he gives you exactly what you, you know, thinking you were going to get from a running back performance standpoint. Like, yeah, this dude was just balling out there. Now, as far as for next year, I'm interested to see what's uh, not San Diego, what Los Angeles does. I mean, they've, you know, tried to get Josh Kelly. They've gotten, um, was it CJ Spiller they got as well last year? Isaiah Spiller. Isaiah Spiller. There we go. Not CJ Spiller. Whoo. Yeah. <laughs> Close enough. And it's just like, at some point, I think one of these two guys, if not them or somebody else they draft, has to be integrated more into the running part of it because Austin Eckler as a running back himself, like actual rushing, it's just, it's okay. But like, it's not something that you want him primarily doing this whole time you want to get somebody else in there so yeah i i think they you know they very well could use an upgrade at their backup running back spot they that offense does have a more pressing need though in trying to find an explosive um an explosive wide receiver um i'm sure that's probably priority one for them on the offensive side but you know you can do more than one thing at the same time so yeah with this with this absolute bevy of um, a free agent running backs that are that are going to be hitting the market here soon in free agency, um, they they could maybe bring in a uh, a guy or two, you know, maybe see what that Kareem Hunt is hitting for or something like that. Hmm. <laughs> spicy, yeah, spicy. Uh, but, Let's yeah. No, go ahead. Um, is Austin Eckler in contention uh, to you as the one hundred and one overall ne- next year? Man, I don't know if you're going to be getting this this same kind of receiving numbers, if you will. Well, they did bring in Kellen Moore, so. But to answer your question, yeah, he's there. He's there. Yeah, he He's in the mix with like a handful of other names kind of thing. Yeah, he he's there. He's there. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Let's move on to the running back two on the year. That was Christian McCaffrey. Had 234 rushing attempts that equaled 1,094 yards, eight touchdowns. Also had 82 receptions for 707 yards and four receiving touchdowns as well. Talk to me about the man who went from one side of the country to the other. Yeah, man. From that down south living to uh, California wine country. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm not going to necessarily say that's a glow up because, you know, I rep the south myself, but... You know, definitely a, definitely a different stroke for sure. But uh, as far as McCaffrey goes, the first thing I have in my notes for him is that if he had spent the whole season with the Niners, I think there's a very good chance he would have finished um, as the as the RB1. Um, or, you know, he, he, he had a good chance to get there. Um, but, you know, he um, – there's – him – with Shanahan pulling the strings, like that is a match made in heaven. It, it, it it's just a match made in heaven. Like I don't want to, I don't think there's any need to get all into the stats and all that stuff because like you've seen this man play, you you know you saw what he did with no quarterback in the damn um, in, in the damn conference championships. Like this dude, this dude has it. I think he's in that handful of names for next year to um, to be the one hundred and one overall. Yeah. You know for for me, it's him, Eckler, and probably Jettis. And like that's and you know, maybe Cooper Cup, but um, but yeah, you know, there's 
it's going to be, I think it's going to be fireworks for, for him next year, you know, with the standard caveats of staying healthy and, 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 and all that stuff. But, um, yeah, yeah, I just, I just wish we had gotten to see more games of him with Shanahan because this, this is, this is really a match made in heaven, man. Um, I think it's big things for him next year, like really, really extremely big things from a guy who's already done extremely, extremely big things. Yeah, absolutely. He's with Shanahan, the running back whisperer himself. Um, just a couple of stats on on CMC. He was running back four through the first six weeks with Carolina, and that was averaging about 19.7 PPR points. And then was the running back three with San Francisco week seven through 17. But his points were at 22.2 points. So fairly consistent there and even have more points with San Fran. The only note I have other than other than what you've discussed is that Elijah Mitchell has come back and he played a factor in these playoff games as well, getting carries and touches. But I think that's actually beneficial to CMC. Um, giving him some rest there. Sure, it may cost him a couple of touchdowns here or there that maybe if he was with Carolina, he normally would have received. But this man is still the RB1 or RB2 in drafts next year easily. Yep, yeah, no no doubt about that. We move on. Josh Jacobs coming in at running back three, just as everybody expected. <laughs> 1,608 rushing yards with 12 touchdowns and then gave you some juicy receiving work as well. 51 receptions for 395 yards. Didn't have any touchdowns there, but again, 51 receptions for a running back. We love to see it. Yeah, he was the absolute steal of the draft this year, um, of a fantasy draft this year. You know, when you when you pit ADP versus their actual production. Um, he was, a, I'm going to say this and like, a, you know, it's, it's all relative, but like he was a bit of a late bloomer this season. You know, the first half of the year, he was RB six as far as total points goes. And then in the second half, he moved from six to second. So like over, and, and if, you know, if you remember back on the season, it was kind of slow, slow going a little bit at first. And then like, he just, that man went on a tear about midway through the season and was mm-hmm. just like, he was just housing the league. He, um, and so, yeah, that's why I say he was the still the fantasy draft because you were probably drafting him as your RB two, and you were able to get some good, pl- some good pieces in place on your roster before then. And, you know, roster certainly could have been built where Josh Jacobs was a flex for you. And, and yeah. I, I don't mean yeah. like a flex as in you showing off. I mean like a flex as, in, <laughs> <laughs> as in like on your roster, but a little bit of both. So yeah, he was an absolute, an absolute hammer um, this year. And I think, um, you know, a lot of this was, I think the fantasy community at large, just being caught off guard by his usage, you know, coming, coming in, playing into the McDaniel system. Everything we had seen about um, the McDaniel system was like, specialty running back central you know there's our early down thumper there's our um there's our third down back there's our two minute drill back um there's our back who we need to tie the quarterback's left shoe the running back who needs to tie the quarterback's right shoe just (laughs) you know their, their running game had been so siloed but 
this dude got so much work in all phases of of, of the game, and that kind of that kind of threw people for a loop, and that's why he was you know basically so undervalued this year. Um, so so yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's more than a few people out there who um, who have Josh Jacobs on their fantasy championship teams from this year. And the crazy thing is he led the league in rush attempts this year, and that's with having missed mm-hmm. a game. Um, and he did that on five yards of carry. So, like, he was efficient. He got volume. He was involved in the passing game. It was everything you look for in a first-round pick. You just happened to get it in the fourth, fifth, or sixth round. Like, it was it was, it was, was an amazing season. Um, now, circling back to the list I read off to start – uh, to to start this segment, he is on that impending free agent list. So it'll be interesting to see what ends up happening there. You know, the Raiders are one of those teams that is in desperate need of a quarterback. So you know, it's a question of how much of a priority is it to bring back a a, a running back um, and and to actually pay him. So you know, we'll as we'll say many times throughout the show, his future outlook is up in the air. It's a little murky but just looking back at what he did this year you know if this guy lands in the right situation you know you can go ahead and press the button uh when when it comes time for draft season next year yep good points on his upcoming free agency there josh jacobs had nine rb1 performances on the season that's running back one through 12 if you will um, and then he was just he was just a great running back this year. Like he led all running backs with 32 missed tackles and also 47 broken tackles. He was second in yards before contact, first in yards after contact, and fourth in yards after contact per attempt. So it was just yeah. all great rushing metrics for him in those bevy of carries that he received this season. And yeah, he's a guy that's going to be interesting to see what happens with him going forward for sure. Yeah, he could land in a situation and do even better than what he did this year. Like, there's going to be a it's, – it's going to be interesting, man. Um, if he lands in the right situation, he might throw his name in the hat for, if not the 101, like the 102, 103. Um, it's, I'm not saying that's going to happen. That's on the outside a possibility. But, you know – and given the right situation, he mess around and land with the Chiefs, maybe? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> we move on to the running back four on the season. That was Derrick Henry. Shout-outs to Derrick's all around the world. He had <laughs> 1,429 rushing yards with 13 touchdowns. Hey, this man also had 32 receptions. Hey, that's not a whole lot, but – this is Derrick Henry we're talking about, but 32 receptions, yeah. 379 yards um, in the air. Talk to me nicely about Mr. Henry. Yeah, the 32 receptions on 40 targets. Yep. He was, you know, he was averaging um, a little over two targets a game. When you add that to you add that to the fact that he was second in the league in rushing attempts, you know, right behind Josh Jacobs, and that's with missing two games. So if he had played those two games, he he probably um, but would have led the league in rushing attempts. You know, the big dog was just big dog in this year. That's that. That's what happened. You know, he's still the, he's still the engine of that offense. I was going to say like by necessity, but you know, it's probably like sixty percent by necessity, forty percent he's he's that dude. So you know, it's kind of uh, 
it's kind of a, a, a little bit of both. And it's kind of hard to see that changing um, next year just because that that team just has so much work to do to rebuild that offense, you know, from what they're going to do, the quarterback position, um, what kind, if any, um, you know, wide receiver changes they're going to make. You know, there's there's a lot swirling around the rest of that team, really, except him. Um, he's he's one of the guys that you could you could kind of pencil in right now for you know his workload should stay just about the same going going into next year. Um, over the last couple of years, just like a little personal um, bit to add in there. Over the last couple of years, I've been reluctant to draft Derrick Henry just because I've always felt like that that age slash um, usage cliff is going to come for him. And I'd rather, you know, I'd rather be too early than too late on that. So I'm trying to spin my brain forward to next year and think about how I'll be feeling. It probably won't be much different than how I felt this year. I'll probably be in a stay away mode, but the man came up running back four again this year. So it's just like, I guess I just got to be, be prepared to be wrong for like the third or fourth year running. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, but yeah, you know, RB four in a year where they just really, really had nothing else. Oh, let me not say nothing. They really, really had not much else in that offense. People knew it was going to him. It went to him and he still did numbers. So yeah, got You got to tip your cap there, man. You do, you do. And he didn't have any receiving touchdowns this year, even though he should have. I don't know if you remember, like, he had this long play where he basically took it maybe 60, 70 yards downfield, and then he got, like, stripped at, like, the one-yard one line, and then Traylon Burks dove on the ball and got it. Oh, I don't know if you remember right, yeah. that. But, yeah, that or was Traylon Burks' of, first touchdown. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, my only note with him is that and I found this interesting, he only ran 138 routes, but he had a 29% target per route run. Um, so that's that's just interesting. Like, pretty much if he's going out there running a route, like, there's a 30, 30% chance he was getting the ball to him. Not many running backs have that kind of feature, but, again, he's only running that many routes. So I'm interested to see, are they going to integrate him more in the passing game next year, or if that was just a – all right, we running this play. Henry, you out on the route. We looking at you. Right. I mean, look, it, th- this was a bump up in his participation in the passing game this year. Um, there is more room to, to 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 grow that. So, you know, he's got a pretty solid built-in floor, which is why I can't blame people for 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 taking him. You know, in the latter in the latter part of the first round. Um, you know, I. Yeah, I I just don't want to be holding the hot potato, you know, but still, um I can't blame anybody who would who would who would dare tread those waters for sure. Understandable. Let's go to running back number 5, Saquon Barkley with the New York Giants. 1312 rushing yards, 10 touchdowns on the ground, 57 receptions on 76 targets. 338 yards, no passing touch or no receiving touchdowns. Talk to me about Saquon, my brother. Welcome back. 
Welcome back. <laughs> welcome back. Welcome back. Um, oh, yeah, man. This this dude here, you know, after more or less um, losing two seasons to injury, he came back in, understandably, fell down draft boards. His ADP was around 21st overall, you know, a late second round pick. And he most definitely paid off that investment. Um, you know, I had him on a fair amount of teams, you know, best ball, managed leagues, like what, whatever. And those teams really did well because I was, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't want to talk too much about my own team. Sorry about that. But like he allowed you to start off with a Justin Jefferson, a, um, you know, a Cooper Cup for however long that was rolling, um, a Stefan Diggs or whatever, and then come back and snag a quality RB1 in the bottom of the second round. And you're just off to like one of the best starts you could possibly get on to a year. Like he was, you know, he he's not quite the value that Josh Jacobs was, um, but still pretty, pretty damn good value on on the season his production was a little uneven you know he was um running back four in total points over the first half of the season and then he dropped down to eighth in the second half of the season and and you know i can't exactly point to the reasons uh why that exactly happened i know there were several games where daniel jones was punching in all the touchdowns as i was sitting there watching and waiting for saquon to get in but um you know, I, I I can't really speak to the re- any reasons outside of that as to why that happened, but nevertheless, still a quality quality pick given where you were able to pick him up. He's one of those um, free impending free agents. Um, there's been talk, you know, on both sides of you know, are the Giants going to franchise tag him? Are they going to pay him? Are they going to let him walk? For my own selfish reasons, I'd love to see him picked up by a good offense, man. I, I, I really, really would like to see him in that Dolphin teal next year with, um, with with Tyreek and Jalen Waddle and Mike McDaniel um, calling the plays. Like, oh my goodness, that could be something special, or you know, in any number of offenses. But, um, but yeah, as far as his outlook. For next year, he's another one. We're just going to have to wait and see where it goes. I imagine that the Giants are going to pay him, you know, either they're going to pay Daniel Jones and franchise him or franchise Daniel Jones and pay pay Saquon. So I don't – I think he'll probably end up back in New York, but he's another one where uh, we're just going to have to wait and see how the chips fall. But what a great, what a great fantasy pickup he was this year, man. Just – no notes, just great. Wish, well, m- maybe wish he had been able to carry um, carry things a little bit stronger in the second half of the season. But again, you can't complain too much given that you got him with the 21st overall pick. Yeah, absolutely. Per Fantasy Pros, he was running back 11 when it came during the draft time or draft season, if you will. And one thing I distinctly remember, I had a league where – I think I was a top five pick around there, but I got Austin Eckler in the first round and then I got Saquon in the second round and it was lovely. It was one of the, but it was only lovely for me for two weeks because I ended up shipping them off for Cooper Cup. And it was just like the ability to be able to take a running back in the second round 
and ship him off for Cooper Cup at that time, that just spoke to how much the value of Saquon was or the person that wanted to have Saquon on his team. But either way, that he could garner that kind of attention, you know, it just lets you know what you had with Saquon this year. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, yeah, to get in for Cooper Cup, I mean, in any other season, that's a damn haul because, you know. Right. Cooper Cup still had a strong season, like on a total points basis, even though, you know, he went out like around week nine or so. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, the way that was trending, that was going to at worst be a wash, but at best you were going to come out on top. And that, and you're exactly right about how it speaks to Saquon's value um, and, and like how much he outperformed his, um, his, his draft capital from the very get-go this season. For sure, for sure. Number six here, we have Nicholas Jamal Chubb. He had 1,448 rushing yards with 12 touchdowns and gave you 22 receptions for 194 yards. Daryl, before I turn this over to you, my notes on Nicholas Chubb say the letters or have the letters WP. So that means I'm going to have to hold off on turning it to you and let's go. Nicholas Jamal Chubb, he had 47 quote-unquote big play rushes, which are rushes 10 yards or greater. That led the league. He was third in rushing yards after contact with 1,033 of those. He was tied for third in missed tackles. He was fourth in broken tackles. Let's get to some good stuff here. He was fourth in yards per carry. As I mentioned, he had over 300 carries. The guys above him, Aaron Jones with 213, that's not 300. Tony Pollard, 193, that's not 300. Travis Etienne with 220, that's not 300. He was third in rushing yards a game. He had 69 rushing first downs. Nice. 5.7 yards per carry in the fourth quarter. That's third behind Tony Pollard, 193 carries on the year and above him was also Jordan Mason who probably had like five carries in the fourth quarter. And then in the fourth quarter, Nick Chubb has six touchdowns in the fourth quarter. That team was looking for him at the end. You know what that means? I'm better than you. I'm stronger than you. My car's fast. My drip's better. My clothes fit better. My holes are better. My tattoo's better. I'm stronger than you. Nicholas Chubb, running back six, six on the season, running back one in many people's hearts. Wax off. Nick Chubb, man, give me your thoughts because I'm thought out. Pause. Right. Here's the thing, man. Um, this is, you know, offset, and I don't see a reason to question it too, too much. This man is very likely the best running back in the league. Um, he just he has everything that you want to see. You wish we, he were a little bit more involved in the passing game, and I think to end the year that he was. Um, they seem to put Kareem Hunt on ice to to end the season a little bit more. Um, but here's the thing about his season: you know, he had a real tale of two seasons type of thing going on with him. He was third in total points over the first half of the season. And then over the second half, he was 25th 
in total yeah. points. He went from averaging 20.4 points per game to 11.9. Like that's that's that, that's pretty huge. But, you know, you take into account like that offense, that offense was just clunky when Deshaun came back. Yeah, um, it was. It, and so, you know, you you know the talent is there for him. It feels like the talent is should be there for that offense as a whole with Deshaun at quarterback, with um, Amari Cooper. I'm not sure if DPJ will be back, but I know Njoku should be back. Like, they have a bunch of good pieces. Kareem Hunt is a free agent, as we mentioned earlier. So there's a path for – there's a path for Nick Chubb to finally have like the year that we have wanted him, that we've been wanting him to have where he gets involved with the pass game a little bit more and he becomes more of that every down back. And if that happens, oh my God, like the the sky is the limit for this man <laughs> next year. That's going to be a backfield to really, really keep, to really keep an eye on, um, to see what moves they make at running back and to see particularly what kind of running back they bring in. Because also Dearness Johnson is um, he's due to be a free agent this off season as well. So they're going to be bringing somebody in um, depending on who that is though. You know, look, having Kareem Hunt as your backup, you know, Kareem Hunt is a good damn running back. He deserves to get some run. Even if you are Nick Chubb, Every running back needs to be spelled just a little bit. But Kareem Hunt is the kind of running back where, okay, you got to make some room. It's not just when Nick Chubb is tired and needs a breather. You know, you make some room. You run some package plays for Kareem Hunt. If it's a lesser player than Kareem Hunt, you may have a chance where Nick Chubb gets gets um, gets bell cow usage. That's going to be a dangerous, dangerous fantasy asset to have. So that's a situation I'm really, really going to have an eye on. In, in, in the off season, um, you know, and like I said, even though he kind of fell off towards the second half of the season at the right price, I'm still looking to get this man on my squad next year. Total agreement with you, man. Um, especially if Hunt's gone and doesn't come back, like I, I, I will be to the moon with, with Nick Chubb as I read off these <laughs> millions of stats on him. So, yeah. Let's go to running back seven on the season. That was Tony Pollard. 988 rushing yards, nine rushing touchdowns, had 39 receptions on 54 targets for 371 yards and three touchdowns. Talk to me about Tony P. All right. So I'm not sure if we could say this. I don't think we could really say this for anybody that we've seen so far. Maybe for Nick Chubb. But Tony Pollard finished running back seven. And with a more competent coaching staff, he should have finished higher. He should have finished higher because, you know, to call a spade a spade, that man should have been getting the lion's share of the work from from, from day one. He should he, he he just should have been. And it seems like everybody outside of the Cowboys brain trust knew that. Except them. But so, you know, the season kind of played out, you know, if, if you drafted Tony Pollard, the season kind of played out for you. It was like a best case 
scenario. And I don't mean that in the sense of celebrating a Zeke injury. It's just that you pick up Tony Pollard in the draft and you feel like, okay, number one, even when Zeke is healthy, Tony Pollard should have good standalone value because he's a good running back and he should be seeing no worse than 40% of, of, of their work. So that kind of played out for you. And then Zeke did get hurt. And so Tony Pollard beasted for those, I think it was a game or two that Zeke went down. Tony Pollard beasted during that time. And once Zeke got back, well, that genie was out of the bottle. And so his usage went up from what it was, you know, pre-Zeke injury. So, you know, you 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 got the you got the scenario that you were kind of kind of looking for, you know, short of uh, Zeke being out for the whole year type type of thing. So this was really this was really kind of a top end outcome for him. And it by all I don't know, by all rights, it should have been better. Um, so just a few quick notes here. He averaged 13.1 fantasy points per game over the first half of the season. He bumped that up to 20.3 points per game over the second half of the season. That's Woo. that's monumental, you know, and think and that was in large part, you know, that shift in his usage from when um, from when Zeke went down. Um, you know, a couple things for him on the outlook for next year. Number one, he is an impending free agent. And number two, you know, he went out with the severely sprained ankle and I think he broke a bone in his leg as well. Um, I'm not I'm not up to date on what the outlook for his recovery time is supposed to be. Um I'm imagining he should be okay by the time um, OTAs come around next year, but I don't, I don't know that for sure. It just really kind of sucks for him that like literally in the last game of the season before he hits free agency, he gets, he gets such a, such a devastating injury, but it's, he should be back and he should be okay from that for, for next year. He'll, he'll be one to keep an eye on like, where does he land? Um, he could very well end up in Dallas. I feel like I heard something about Zeke saying that Zeke is re- is willing to restructure his contract. So if he does that, and then maybe Dallas could stomach bringing um, could, could stomach putting a putting a bag down on Tony Pollard because if Zeke's salary stays the way it is, I can't imagine they put even more money into that running back room. Like you can't do that. But then again, it's the Cowboys, so you never know. But um, yeah, all in all, Tony Pollard, very, very, very excellent season. Even with that injury, his prospects look bright going into next year. We just got to keep an eye on where he ends up. Um, but yeah, one, one one of the darlings of the draft this year for sure. Agreed. Yeah, if they were able to work out the money properly and whatnot and then not be ridiculous, I would like to see him back with Dallas and, you know, I don't know the timetable on the injury, but even if they had to like slow play with him, his injury, and then ramp him up, you know, for next year, I'll be fine with that. And then the full next year, which would be the, what the 2024 season, you turn them loose even more. But only note I had was that he had about 45% of the rushing attempts with 186. Zeke had 55% of them at 223. If we saw more of like a 60% Pollard, 40%, Zeke, I think that's where we would feel better at. 
I think that's probably the best outcome for that team itself because Tony Pollard is just way more explosive at this point. But yeah, just imagine his stats if he had like 60 more carries. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. That's he there's um, you know, he finished RB7 and there was still some meat on that bone, you know? Yeah. That's that's that, that's saying something. You know, I I keep putting every free agent in the world on the Chiefs, but imagine Andy Reid getting his hands on him, man. Oh my goodness. Oh, I don't want to I don't want to hear nothing about imagine whatever running back on the Chiefs because they took a luxury pick in Clyde Edwards Hilaire in the first round and it didn't work out. And there were other backs available. But we move on <laughs> to the running back eight. Aaron Jones. Let me pull up the stats here for that man. Aaron Jones had 1,073 rushing yards with only two rushing touchdowns, but had 56 receptions, 375 yards, and five touchdowns via receiving. Talk to me about AJ and not Dan. Yeah, some of those, some of those receiving touchdowns were absolute beauties. That boy got some hands, man. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my notes on Aaron Jones. ADP had him at around RB10, and he finished RB8. You know, you pretty much got what you paid for yep. here. Um, I don't think there was – there wasn't anything special. There wasn't anything terrible about about his season. You know, you you could do worse than, like, grab a running back, at you know, as high as you had to grab him and then get this season that he gave back to you, especially in light of all the surrounding circumstances, you know, that's kind of, it was kind of a low ceiling offense. Um, he was sharing the backfield with an up and coming uh, running back. So for him to get where he got, where you had to draft him, he probably not over the moon about it, but you don't really have much to complain about um, as, as, as far as things go with him. Um as far as next year goes, you know, there's a lot more, there's a lot of uncertainty here. You know, the obvious thing being what's the quarterback situation going to look like with, um, with, uh, with Aaron Rodgers, you know, playing this yearly game that, well, with him and the Packers playing this yearly game of chicken or whatever it is that they play. Um, as far as how that's going to go, what do you think about Jordan Love and his ability to, to move this offense, you know, to, to add a little bit more ceiling to the offense. And then there's still the AJ Dillon thing. So I'm not seeing a, a like a, a, a path to, you know, season long ceiling for him next year. Like as far as breaking out of that running back eight, nine, 10 range into, into something more, I think he has the talent to do that. That's absolutely for, for, for sure. Like, you know, you could put him on, several other offenses in the leagues and in the league. And like, you know, I, I think if you dropped him into McCaffrey's situation in, uh, in San Francisco, he could give you 85, 90% of what CMC does. And, you know, put put himself in a RB, you know, a top RB a top five RB situation. But I just don't see that for him um, next year. I think pretty much regardless of if Rodgers is back. So it's a little bit murky there for him to get back to the same spot next year. Um, I think that's, you know, kind of within the realm of possibility. I don't know how excited I'd be to draft him as my RB one um, next year 
at what his price will probably be. But, you know, this was one of those just kind of old, reliable years. And, you know, can't really say nothing bad, can't say nothing great, to my mind, about his year. You got what you paid for. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny you say that because when I started making my notes on Aaron Jones, it was just like, all right, that's cool. <laughs> it's like all I had. <laughs> it's just like, I, I don't know. I didn't have nothing great off the top. Uh, but he had three top five performances. Um, overall, with the top 12 performances, he had seven of those. So, look, I mean, th- this was a, a solid season from him. Um the thing you'll have to look forward to again, like Daryl mentioned, is the quarterback situation. And then as far as I know, A.J. Dillon is still there, right? Yeah, th- this was – I believe this was A.J. Dillon's second year. So, like, he should yeah, yeah. be under contract for next year. Yeah, so it's it's more, more, more of the same coming up. I mean, if it's one of those situations in drafts next year, like, if you're able to get – like, you have the fifth pick and for some reason Justin Jefferson falls to you there – I'm fine with having Aaron Jones as my RB1 there and then getting me some good values later on for sure on some guys. But, yeah, that's all I had on on Aaron Jones. Yeah, Aaron Jones, he's all right. <laughs> Pretty much. So speaking of all right, we got uh, our running back nine on the year, Dalvin Cook, 1,136 yards, eight touchdowns. Also had 38 receptions for 295 yards and two touchdowns as well. Talk to me on the older Cook brother. Right. So, yeah. This year for Dalvin felt like a disappointment to me. I say that because his ADP was the seventh pick overall. You had to take – this man was averaging going middle of the first round. Mm Mm-hmm. You got four RB1 finishes from him. And I mean, like, you got four, like, RB1 in the sense of the top 12. Right. Four the whole season from your from the seventh pick in the draft. That's just not good enough. That's, that, that, that's, that is not good enough. Um, to take him where you took him, you were passing up on Jamar Chase, Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. You yes. know, you were passing up on some names. And, okay, may, maybe Tyreek was a little unfair to throw in there because, you know, his his ADP got depressed because just the uncertainty of changing offenses, you know, not knowing what the deal is with Tua, a first-time head coach, blah, blah, blah. So maybe Tyreek wasn't fair. But Jamar Chase, Devontae, Diggs, Kelsey, like, you left that money on the board to take Dalvin – and you got what you got out of him this year. That's just that's just a straight up disappointment, man. Um, I don't know. I maybe I'm being a little hyperbolic with the season being so fresh um, in my mind and whatnot. But you know, having looked through these rankings over the past few weeks, I just don't know how he goes in the first round next year. Um, Ooh, okay. because this was supposed this was supposed to be. You know, with the first round, with your first round pick, you're looking for ceiling, right? You are looking for ceiling. And this is a couple years in a row now that Dalvin has disappointed. And it's not like this man has a whole lot of competition in the the running back room. You know, Madison gets his work and whatnot, Mm -hmm. but 
That's that's Dalvin's show. That is that that is Dalvin's show. I just you know, I just, if he was if he wasn't able to do it this year, and I I think I I, I should have looked into this a little more, but I do recall like hearing that Dalvin has had some bad touchdown luck in the sense of with the amount of touches he's gotten, he would be expected to score significantly more touchdowns that he has, and you know he could be due for some for, for some positive regression. That's fine. That's cool. But this is two years running now. And I'm not I know for I know for sure, I'll say this much. I'm not willing to invest a top eight pick in him next year. That's for sure. Nine through twelve, I I need to sit down and look at things a little bit more, but just imagining things in my head without getting all into it. I don't know that this man is a top is a is a first round pick next year. That's for me myself personally. Um but yeah. <laughs> Those are those are my Dalvin thoughts. I got you. It was just the you initially saying it. It made me say ooh, but as you were talking, and I just kept thinking that's that's not far fetched at all. I I would completely understand if he's not a first round pick next year. Um, the offense just kind of flow more so through the passing game this season, at least from what I saw in my eyes. And then there were just times where. Like Dalvin just couldn't get past the line. And I don't know if that was a line issue or a Dalvin issue, but I mean, at the end of the day, from a fantasy perspective, like you were disappointed with him on your team, but he did give you, you know, some decent performances and he was healthy the full season. So you, that's why he ends up here as running back nine because he stayed there the whole season. And, you know, we didn't have Alexander Madison factoring in for the whole season because there was a time where he did have the shoulder issue but he still played through it and madison was factoring in more but then it just got back to nope it's dalvin show um so yeah next season it's it'll be interesting i think he has i think the team has a potential out with him this offseason if they wanted to do that but yeah I'm, i'm not surprised if he's a second or third round pick next season yeah yeah that's and look, he could end up. Um, he could end up, you know, being. You know, there could be end up being an overreaction, and he ends up being a value uh, ne- next year, like you know, being, yeah. being a James Conner type um, type thing. So you know, but yeah, just I in researching this when you know I was I was comparing ADPs and whatnot, and when I saw that he was averaging the seventh, the going seventh overall pick, I was like, oh my goodness. He must have he must have slaughtered several <laughs> teams um who who thought they were gravy. Like if you tried to build like a hero RB team around him, like, ooh, buddy, yeah. That that you really had to work your waiver wires or whatever to make up for that. Moving on to running back 10 on the season, Ramondre Stevenson, 986 rushing yards with five touchdowns. 64 receptions, 393 yards, and had a receiving touchdown as well. Talk to me on Ramondre. For sure, man. Um, this guy this guy showed up this year, man. He showed that he is a, an excellent, excellent running back. Um, he was an absolute steal as far as ADP is concerned. He was a ninth-round pick. I believe he was around pick 100 um, in, in ADP. Uh, during draft season and so to get get a guy in the ninth round who finishes as a as a running back one 
that's 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 very very good stuff. Um, you know that that's bargain city. He had seven RB one finishes on the year. Yes, sir. Not bad at all. Not not bad at all. And you know, you put that in the context of what we were just talking about with Dalvin. Like, um, yikes towards Dalvin. Anyway, we're done with Dalvin. Um, the only thing really to say about him is, you know, he did tail off towards the end of the season. Um, over the second half of the year, he finished as RB eighteen in overall points. And I don't believe there was any major injury there. Um, so, you know, I guess, you know, that kind of speaks to how good his first half of the season was for sure to, um, to have finished RB 10 overall when finishing as RB 18 over the second half of the season. But, you know, he wasn't really there for you during, uh, during the push to the playoffs and during the playoffs. Um, but what are you legitimately expecting from your ninth round pick? anyway um in that in, in that position you know hopefully he was your flex who was who was giving you some uh who was giving you some punch from that position and you had the running back um kind of sewed up in other areas but but anyway just you know overall overall from like a you know from a ten thousand foot view absolutely great great steal in the draft at at that draft capital and so you know this was his second year in the league Yes. Yeah. So yeah, he'll be entering his third year next year. You can see that that coach, he's one of the guys that like, um, he's one of the guys that Belichick has publicly praised, which um, doesn't tend to happen a whole lot. Like, you know, Belichick tends to talk about opposing team players. He bigs them up more than his own guys, but they absolutely love him there. That offense, that offense, it seems like they only have up, to go and you know they got a new offensive coordinator coming in in Bill O'Brien um but you know that that should be an upgrade Damian Harris is a um is a free agent this year and the good thing about Ramondre is he you know he's a hell of a runner he's good in the passing game so he kind of has the inside track to you know if not be if not be a bell cow but to to just eat the majority of everything, you know, I know they drafted Pierre strong last year. I can't remember. I think they have one other guy on the roster who I'm not remembering his name, but his primary competition for touches this year, Damian Harris, who, you know, suffered some injuries and whatnot, but still when Damian Harris was in there, he was Ramon J's primary competition for, for touches. He's a free agent. We'll have to see how that shakes out. Um, but there is definitely a path for, for Ramondre to kind of flirt with um, to flirt with bell cow status. So um, he'll be one to watch in, in, in the off season. Um, uh, you know, even though it's the Patriots offense, you know, we, we don't really care too much about that. We care about that usage, baby. And he has a real good path to get it, to get in on that. He does. He does. Uh, with this team, you saw them, um, starting to use rookies like Pierre Strong later on in the season uh, for part of it. And to me, that it doesn't necessarily signify this, but I think Damian Harris is pretty much gone from this team. Like, I don't I don't see them re-signing him at all. So I think it's Ramondre's show as, like, the number one guy. Um, I, I think it, it could be wills up for him next season. I'm interested to see, like, where he'll be ranked and where he'll be going. 
And in regards to this past season, like if you were one of those teams that, you know, maybe you got a stud running back early and you're like, yeah, I'm just going to piece together my running back room and you got Stevenson, which I did with a couple of my teams. Like it was perfect. Like Stevenson as my second running back on teams was, was golden. And I had just a slew of just these wide receivers where it was like a chase, a waddle, um, like a T Higgins type tier or Mike Williams area where it was just like, I had these uh, wide receivers and then boom, Ramondre elevating during that first part. It was a good thing to see. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go on to running back 11, Lenny Fournette. Leonard Fournette came in with only 668 uh, rushing yards, had three touchdowns on the ground. But this man had 72 receptions, 519 yards, and three receiving touchdowns. Talk to me about Lenny Fournette. Well, uh, you know, he had a promising start to the season and then just a disastrous end to the season. You know, his first half, he was RB8 in total points. Second half of the season, RB28. Just a complete, complete um, fall off for him and, you know, basically that offense in general. So, you know, how much is him? How much is, you know, how much is down to coaching? Was it Brady? Whatever. Looking back on it, it, you know, I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but it kind of, it kind of doesn't matter because by the time we got into, the second half of the season, definitely the second half of the second half of the season. It was hard to get him into your lineup. Um, it was just, just with um, just with how things shook out there. It feels to me that it's it's over for him as like an elite fantasy asset. I think um, I think Len, I think Lenny falls into the dreaded running back dead zone next year, where you know that kind of round six, seven, eight, where you're debating, well, do I pick up this guy here or do I wait a few more rounds and kind of find, try to find the next Ramondre um, mm-hmm. type of thing? It's going gonna, it's gonna to be really hard to expend significant draft capital on him. Um, he, he wasn't on my list of free agents, um, and I, I don't think he'll be a free agent next year. This was Rashad White's rookie year, so Rashad White will definitely be back. They're going to have a new offensive system. So as with a lot of these guys we've mentioned, there's going to be a lot of stuff in the air for that offense. Oh, and they don't have a quarterback um, as of now. So, <laughs> yep. you know, it's like what what do you want out of this offense's running game? You know, they were – it was a putrid, putrid running game. Like you mentioned – the major, you know, you know, the lion's share of his value was found through the passing game this year, and it's not like he was ripping off, you know, and, and doing big things in the passing game. It's really hard to see a path, um, a, a path forward with with this offense. I guess the one saving grace is, you know, that division is kind of weak. That's on one hand, but on the other hand. Outside of Atlanta, there's some decent defense. You know, Carolina has a has a pretty good defense. The Saints are always going to be in contention with a decent de- with for a 
excuse me, the Saints are always going to be in contention to have a decent defense with Dennis Allen there coaching them up. So I don't I just man, yeah, I I feel like this might be curtains for old for, for old Lenny as far as um being like a top end a, a top end fantasy draft pick going forward. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. Um we've seen it over the years with Brady having that running back that can just get a bunch of targets and just the points add up for him. We're familiar with James White, the years he's been there with the Patriots, and then we've seen it a couple years here with Lenny Fournette. But, yeah, I think he's going to fall into that dead zone area. Um, man, he may even fall. He may even fall lower because the team may end up deciding to just go with Rashad White. Um, I don't see any way that he's a top – 20 running back next season um at the end of the season like i unless he just improves physically or something and he just takes it over i just don't see how it happens so yeah and enjoy what you got this year with him with brady he saw the third most targets at the position had the third most receiving uh yards at the position behind you know eckler and mccaffrey but yeah from a fantasy perspective i don't think leonard fournette's gonna be much of an asset anymore He had a good run. Yeah. (laughs) All right, let's close out the top 12 here with Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon finished the season with 799 yards and six touchdowns. Also, 55 receptions with 400 yards and two touchdowns. Talk to me about good old Joe. Right. So start off talking about Joe Mixon. Looking back to draft season, he is ADP. He was 10th overall pick. That was his ADP. To my mind, he didn't live up to that. We talked about some of the names that you could have gotten for um, Dalvin Cook. You probably could have gotten some or all of those names where you took Joe Mixon. You know, For over the whole season, he was really scratching and clawing to, to maintain the bottom of RB1 status. And it really, you know, this was really largely driven by that week nine game where he had the five touchdowns. You know, he scored 55 points in that game. That one game was 23% of his output for the season. (laughs) That's, That's basically a quarter of his output was due to one game. You know, I don't want to play the whole, you know, you take that game out, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, that's that's how he got here. That That's how he made his numbers. And, you know, you looked at – you looked for the games that, that he was out. Samaj P. Ryan did some pretty good work in this um, – in their conference championship game against the Chiefs. You know, Samaj P. Ryan outsnapped him 43-23. to 23. Um, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, P. Ryan is going to be a free agent next year, so maybe that won't be a problem next year. Then again, as far as next year goes for Joe Mixon, he um, he just got charged with some kind of thing. I think it's called menacing. Um, he basically he he threatened some woman um, in, in in public not not too long ago, um, and. This is just some stuff I saw via via Twitter, but the Bengals can move on from him with without 
without uh, having to absorb like an, an egregious amount of dead cap. Whether or not they do that, you know, well, that's that's yet to be seen. But his outlook for next year, it's it, it's very cloudy for several different reasons. The production was not elite. Um, the impending legal situation. They got other th- other players that they need to pay. He could very well be drafted out of a job this year, depending on how the draft shakes out. Like his, yeah, his outlook for next year is just really, really not great. And as far as you know, what he did this year, he really did not pay off that ADP. He got you there on that one game, and so. I give this season a grade of disappointing from uh, from him, especially when you when you measure it against where you had to draft him. I just I'm I'm not excited about Joe Mixon right now. Yeah, and I understand your sentiments on that. And even though he finished ninth on the season and you know running point or fantasy points per game for the running back position. Yeah, it, it still it still was somewhat of a dis well not somewhat it was a disappointment, and when you look at the raw stats there, it doesn't appear like that. But like you said, he had one game where he had twenty five percent of his production, so it wasn't that that RB one kind of status that you expected from him this season. And when I'm saying RB one, not the overall RB one, a top yeah. twelve running back. So. Yeah, going forward, it'll be interesting to see what since he does. Um, I have a feeling they'll probably have another running back in this room if they don't re-sign Samaje. But yeah, we'll we'll see what Joe Mixon looks like for next season. But I'm not too excited right now outside of the fact that he's just in a great offense. Right. I think for next year, you you can't have him as your RB one. Like that's you, 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 you can't spend the draft capital on him to have him as your, as your RB one, like he's got to maybe as your RB two, or if he really, really drops, you know, which I don't, I don't see happening because I think he has a lot of name value. I think he's going to fall into an ADP where I'm going to end up fading him, um, f- fading him a lot ne- next year. That That's kind of the way I see that. I see that playing out. Yeah, I could see that, like him being like a mid or late, like second round pick or something. And it's just like, yeah, I'd rather take my chances on XYZ guy. So I get that for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, those are the top 12 running backs from this season. We'll get into 13 and 24 on the next pod. Right now, we'll go ahead and flip over to the bet sheet. Um, only had two games to pick from this week and I slipping on the ball have not even entered in the scores for the game. And I didn't even have a pick for one of the games, just absolutely not caring and just slipping the ball here, but I'll turn turn it over to you. Um, which, well, let's start with the San Fran Philly game. Any notes you have there from a betting perspective or just the actual game itself? Oh yeah, I think we got we got robbed of what should have been um, 
of what should have been an epic matchup. Um, say what you want about Purdy. He had been, you know, I think just a little bit north of competent in, um, in his limited starts. And he was, he was looking okay up until the time they decided to let Tyler Croft block Hassan Reddick and get, um, and get Brock Purdy injured. So I think if Purdy <laughs> had been able to, if Purdy had been able to finish that game, I think we would have gotten a whole lot better game. As far as the bet sheet aspect of this game goes, I ended up um, laying the two and a half with Philly and they covered that and then some. So yay on that. Um, but yeah, I just, I just feel, I just feel absolutely robbed of that. I, I feel bad, you know, as badly as you can anyway for, for, for the 49ers because God, that's a, that's such a, such an ass way to go out. You know, you work, you work so hard to get there and then like you're already on your third quarterback and then two more quarterbacks go out and you just got to kind of limp through the finish. It just, uh, uh, we, we, we was robbed. Um, <laughs> for the Kansas city and Cincinnati game, I ended up taking the one and a half with Kansas city. I mean, yeah, taking the one and a half with, with Cincinnati and, uh, Kansas City won that game by three. So that particular bet did not hit. Um, do I feel bad for Joseph Asai for what happened? Yes, I do, especially because I think if that game had gone to overtime, my bet might have hit. But um, you know, it is what it is. That game was like that that game was a treat and a half to watch. So, you know, I got I, I really got no complaints on on that one. And I cannot wait until this damn Super Bowl, man. This is it's gonna be something. This one's for the culture. <laughs> well said there. Um, I didn't get my bet in on Cincy and Kansas City. I probably would have went with Cincy um there, so it would have been an L. But on the San Fran Philly game, I went with the under and that hit. I mean, Philly scored 31 points, but like it was not an impressive 31 points if that it could really ever, was not. <laughs> if that could ever be said but i said it but um yeah we yeah like you said we got robbed in this game i still think philly would have won even if brock was there but i don't think we're looking at 31 to 7 as the final score oh no no they would have at least gotten a couple a couple tuds in there yeah they would have and for me, I was more so betting a whole lot of props. Um, I did, outside of I did pick uh, Cincy and just my regular bets, uh, money line, which obviously didn't hit. But um, I did hit the under with Philly. I did end up betting that. And I hit the under on Jalen Hurts rushing yards. And I missed on the A.J. Brown anytime touchdown. And Christian McCaffrey, 4.5 receptions. He had only four but I'm pretty sure this would have hit if Brock Purdy didn't get yeah. hurt. <laughs> oh, that's a tough beat, man. That's a real yes. tough beat. My goodness. Well, you know, we'll have to discuss. Uh, maybe we'll, do, we'll try to work in some um, some Super Bowl props. Um, yeah. On the, on, on, on the next episode. Yeah, and I'm I'm gonna come with like game related ones. I'm not coming with the how long was the national anthem. What's the coin yeah. toss? <laughs> the color of the Gatorade. Yeah, the color of the Gatorade. <laughs> yeah. But uh yeah, for sure on the next on the next episode, yeah, we can discuss that and of course discuss the 
the spread and over under um, how I look at that point. Uh, I guess before we get out of here, my brother, do you have any other notes or anything you want to get out? Um, no, man. I, um, no, this is, it's like I said earlier to start the show, it's, it's weird to have a, a weekend with no football. We got one more left and then it's, uh, well, then I guess it's on to basketball season. And <laughs> not too long after that, our Astros come back. So, you know, there's still some, there's okay. always, there's always sports on the horizon, but this, uh, this fantasy stuff, man, it's about to, this year is about to be put in mothballs and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll revisit it, but no, man, I'm just, I'm just going to sit here, bide my time for the Super Bowl and try to find that, um, that perfect queso recipe um, <laughs> in, in this week plus that I have before, before I have to whip it up. Absolutely. You got some time here, my man, for sure. As mentioned, next episode, we'll go through running backs 13 through 24. And, of course, look at the Super Bowl over under and some props. I am Derek, my brother Daryl. We're out of here. Y'all have a good one. Enjoy y'all weekend. Peace.